Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and back with me as she is each and every week for our mailbag episodes is my coach Charlie, who of course is the star of the podcast. Charlie, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm great. I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm actually not physically feeling great right now, but emotionally, I'm good. I'm in a good place. But I got to ask you, I know this is this was your beloved bye week. Was it everything that you dreamed it would be? Yeah, it was pretty good. What'd you do? Anything special? Uh, went to watch tennis. Yep, I saw you there. Went to watch tennis. It was um, fun to see. It was fun to see some of the new new players out there. Yeah, look good. I like what I like what we got in store this year. I just love Leah Ma. Leah Ma is and Meg. Um, Meg is the best. I, I said it before. I'll say it again. Meg is my favorite current George athlete. I will stand by that until she graduates. She's awesome. But Leah's fun. Leah is just a she's a character man, and she's yeah. so good. She's so talented. There was an interesting football to watch. She's supposed to run the ass half. Eh, didn't turn out so well, but that's okay. How was your ath half? My ath half was good, Charlie. Uh, I got a PR, you know, top 100. Don't want to don't wanna put anything too much out there. But oh, humble brag. <laughs> I a see. little humble brag. Humble no, brag. That's why, like, phys- I, I, my body is broken down now, and I feel like it, mm. I pushed myself so far to the point of exhaustion that I feel physically ill right now. But I'm Sounds here. like a smart move. And this is the second show I've recorded it. So for our listeners, a little inside baseball here. Usually the way this works is I record the recap episode with Curtis earlier on Sunday. And then with our schedules, the way it's been working out, it's just easier for Charlie and I to align our schedules on Sunday when we're not both working. So we usually record the mailbag episodes on Sunday as well. So it's my second episode. Don't feel great. Body, like my hips, everything just hurts right now, but it was all worth it. It was all worth it. Oh, good. Glad you, you did yeah, well. That's why I said I don't feel good physically, emotionally. I feel pretty good, you know? Yeah. It's nice to, nice to hit a goal. It's nice to hit a goal. But speaking of the Athat, Charlie, I had some friends come in town this weekend to run the race, right? And they asked me for some tips on where they should stay. Should we do the hotel? Do you know an Airbnb we can stay in? And of course, where do you think I told them to go? Normal Town Cottage. The Normal Town Cottage, of which course. Which we actually ran by in the Athat. We did run by Holman Avenue, Normal Town Cottage. It was awesome. Uh, had a nice little setup out there for everybody. And, you know, my friend, of course, I told him Normal Town Cottage is the place to go, hands down, no brainer. And then he took my advice, smart guy. And then he actually texted me on the way out of town today, Charlie. You know what he said? That it was awesome? Pretty much. He's, he texted me just to thank me again for, quote, the best stay ever. So I'm telling you guys, th- those are my words. Those are my words. And if you don't even believe this story, it's a true story. But if you don't believe the story, just check out all the glowing reviews for the Normantown Cottage on Airbnb and book your stay today. You can go to Normantown Cottage on Instagram. You can check out the link on our Twitter profile. I think it's actually, yes, it is pinned to the top of our Twitter profile. So check that out as well. And uh, I'm telling you guys, if you're ever in How town, do you pin stuff to your Twitter profile. You click a button that says pin to profile. Hmm. Never knew. Would you like me to show you to do that? Nah. You don't need to be able to do that? I don't need you, to. Pin you don't ever anything. tweet anything. No, I just use it as you a actually, resource. What's it? Classic Charlie 3. Three. Yeah, you have a. An account for this show as Classic Charlie. Yeah, I'm just really bad at but it. But you Clearly, don't ever since I don't do anything. Know what it means to pin anything. It's yes. how I get my news. I was, but speaking of Twitter, right? 
I think he tweeted this to you as well. I don't know if you ever check your actual Twitter account. I check it. Our man, Josh Stevens. Yes, happy belated birthday. Happy belated birthday, Josh. I think it was the 15th is what he said, so we're a week and a half late here. I didn't know, Josh. I didn't know, man. But regardless, happy belated birthday, young man. Uh, really excited for you. Um, hopefully it was a good one, right? Yeah. Josh deserves a good birthday. Duh. Josh is, Josh is the man. Everyone deserves a... Well, well not, not everyone. everyone. But most people do, especially Josh. Josh is the man, and Josh has been with us for a long time, and uh, we absolutely love Josh. Hope it was a good one, buddy. But, Charlie, we've uh, got a lot of questions today to get to, so let's go ahead and uh, let's get to them. All right. First up, Steven definitely wants to hear your thoughts on us running a two-quarterback system. This is going to be a big talking point this week and maybe throughout the rest of the season. So what's your take? I mean, I don't think it's going to go away until Kirby comes out and says, this is our quarterback, and that's not going to happen, right? No. I, mean, I, just don't, I mean, maybe maybe it'll surprise me. I just I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, two-quarterback system, Charlie, is that... Something Only you, if one of them gets seriously injured. Let's not even put that out there, Charlie. You but asked you're the right. question. You're right. You're right. You're, you're, you're right. Correct. How do you feel about two-quarterback system? Well, I just like the story of Stetson Bennett. Yes, but we also want to win at the highest level. Right, but he gives us an advantage that JT does not. He can run. Yeah, that is true. JT and might be a little bit more accurate, not quite as a gun, much of a gunslinger. I think both those things are so true. So, you know, I think... The teammates all respect both of them, and I think it's possible. Do you think we can win national title both of them? I do. Yeah, Curtis does not. I think he might be slowly but surely coming around on that. I do as well. Um, I think in the past, most programs you would have to say no, but I think... With a two-quarterback system? Yes. I think the Oh, I don't program, want anything to do with a two-quarterback system. I want one guy to be the guy. Well, I'm just saying, okay, yeah. in the past, most programs mentally... Couldn't handle it. Because you need to have a guy. But I think that this team is just built different. I think the coaching has coached the team to where it could work. Fair enough. And they know that they need that if they need two quarterbacks in order to win the national championship, then that's what they're going to do. Because overall, they want to win. Fair enough, Charlie. Fair enough. I, I totally see where you're coming from here. Here's what I would say about this idea of a quarterback rotation. I don't want it to happen, and I do not think it's going to happen. Let's take each of those and explain why on both accounts. As to why I don't want a quarterback rotation to happen, the reason for that is pretty simple, guys. When has that really ever worked for a team that has won a national title? Because that's what we're going for, guys. That's the goal, right? That is what this team is shooting for. And I thinking back, at least in the college football playoff era, and even going back further than that to the BCS era, when has a two-quarterback system really, really worked and led a team to a national title? I guess maybe you could say Florida with Chris Leak and Tim Tebow, but I mean, was that really a two-quarterback system? That was just Tebow came in like in a package situation when it was short yardage and goal line. I guess you can call that a two-quarterback system, but really Tebow was just a situational guy as a true freshman. That was Chris Leak's football team. And yes, Stetson does give us an added dimension with his legs, but is he that dynamic with what he can do on the ground with his legs that it's going to justify going with a full-on two-quarterback system, a rotation like that? I don't think so. I don't I don't think what Stetson does with his legs, his mobility, I don't think it's the level of a Tim Tebow back in the day or even a DJ Shockley back in the early 2000s here in Athens. I just don't think he's that dynamic with his legs. Is he a better runner and more mobile than JT? 100%, absolutely. And I love that dimension he brings to the game. But I don't think he's so dynamic with his legs that you say, okay, we're going to bring Stetson in just to run the football. Because if teams know he's going to run the football, they're going to be able to stop that. All right, He's not that dynamic. He's not that electric with the ball in his hands. What makes Stetson's legs valuable is that we use them sparingly. We use them at the right time. So we use it as a constraint. We use it as a constraint to keep defenses honest and open up the ground game in other ways. And yes, it's really nice when we're running a zone read and the backside even something crashes and Stetson pulls it and gets 20, 30 yards. That's awesome. But that only works when you do it once or twice every game. It doesn't work if Stetson comes in and that's what Stetson's doing every time he's back there, or at least two out of every three times he's back there playing quarterback, if that's what we're using him for in a two-quarterback rotation. So I just don't think it's ever worked, and I don't think it's going to work if we went that route and we were using, okay, JT's the passer, Stetson's the runner. I don't think it's going to work for us. 
And second off, I don't think it's going to happen because Kirby Smart understands that. He understands that we need a guy at quarterback. What I think we have right now, guys, is a full-fledged quarterback competition. I don't think it's a quarterback controversy. I think it's a competition. Now that Stetson has played the past couple games and played well and we're winning football games, and now JT's back healthy from those, those injuries, I think Kirby is saying, all right, guys, let's see who, who wins this job at practice. Let's see who's going to take this job. And I don't have any idea how that's going to play out. I really do think how both guys practiced last week and this week, JT threw last Wednesday, last Thursday, didn't have any pain coming off that. I'm being told that he's close to 100% right now. So I do think it's just going to be a competition. Now, here's the other layer to this. If Kirby really, really intended to go with a two-quarterback system, do you think he would have come out and told ESPN that? Why on earth would the man have done that? Think about Kirby Smart, guys. Think about what we know about Kirby Smart. He is from the Nick Saban tree. That's where he cut his teeth. That's where he learned to coach. He is from the Nick Saban family of coaches. And what is one of the defining characteristics of coaches from that tree? It's secrecy. And Kirby Smart, he's been different from Saban in a lot of ways, but one way he's been similar is how secretive he is. And he kind of shrouds the program in this cloud of secrecy. He doesn't want information to get out. He doesn't want injury information to get out. Now, he'll be forthcoming about certain things, but when it comes to injuries, Kirby Smart does not like to talk about that. He will give you the bare minimum when it comes to injuries. He'll tell you, okay, this guy's out, right? He's day-to-day. Like what? Think, think back to like with going to the Clemson game. Think back to Darnell Washington, Tyke Smith. Remember, both those guys were quote-unquote day-to-day, and we think we're going to get them back. And we didn't get them back until a couple weeks in the season. So Kirby Smart likes to keep that stuff close to the vest. There's a lot of gamesmanship there. So why on earth would Kirby Smart come out and say, hey, ESPN, Chris Lowe, I want to give you a headline. We're going to go with a two-quarterback system. He wouldn't do that. He would not do that. Kirby Smart is a very intelligent human being. He knows that if he's talking to ESPN, Chris Lowe from ESPN, a college reporter for ESPN, if he talks to them and he he even says anything remotely resembling the idea that we're going to go with a two-quarterback system, that that's going to be blasted all over ESPN. And you know where else it's going to be blasted? It's going to be blasted in Gainesville. So the Florida coaching staff is going to say, oh, wait a minute. We don't know who's going to play. It's going to be both of them. And they might not think we're going to play both of them. They might not think that we're going to go with a two-quarterback system, but they at least had to prepare for the possibility. That's what Kirby Smart's doing, in my opinion here. And honestly, if you read the article closely, the original headline, they had to go back and change it because it was fairly misleading. Here's what Kirby said in the ESPN article, if you missed it. He said, JT practiced Wednesday and did about everything. I thought Wednesday was the first time since Vanderbilt that I could have said, man, he looks like he could play. Now he's rusty. And Thursday will probably be the telltale practice because it will be the first time he's gone back-to-back throwing after he threw a lot on Wednesday. And I've been told that he threw Thursday and there was not any pain. So I think we're good to go there. And then he was asked about, are we going to need both quarterbacks the rest of the way? He says, I'm not sure we know who the better one is based on which game plan we have. There are teams we play that we have to be able to use a quarterback in the run game. Well, that's Stetson. There are teams we play that you have to get the ball out quickly and be really accurate. That's JT. But the first thing with JT is that he's got to be healthy. He did not say anything about, we're going to play both those guys. Now, he said, you know, there's certain game plans that Stetson might be the best guy. There's certain game plans where JT might be the best guy. So they open up the possibility that there might be a two-quarterback system. But he didn't come out and say, hey, you know what? Both guys are going to play. That was not a quote in this article. So the original headline that caught a lot of eyes and caught a lot of attention was slightly misleading. But again, Kirby Smart is not going to discuss JT Daniels' health that openly in the quarterback situation, that openly to ESPN, right? The mouthpiece of college football, unless he was trying to send a message, in my opinion, a message to the Florida coaches staff that, hey, you better prepare for both those guys. That's what I think is going on here. I do not think that he's going to play both guys. I could be wrong. And I, well, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if like, let's say JT or whoever starts the game and one of the guys comes in and plays like the third series, kind of see how they play. Kind of like the, the South Carolina game, right? When JT came back after missing the UAB game and, and Stetson threw that interception and Stetson didn't play the rest of the game or at least didn't get a series like that. 
maybe that could be the case. But even even that idea, I don't think that's the way it's going to go. I don't know for sure, but I don't think that's the way it's going to go. I think Kirby's going to make a, a determination based off last week's practice and this week's practice, and he will select the starting quarterback. Does Kirby Smart even know who is that going to be right now? I don't know. I think going into this week, the answer is probably yes. I think you want to have a guy that's getting the majority of the reps when you go into a game like this against a rival in Florida, a team that you want to get revenge on from last year. And by the way, you don't want to derail your potential national championship season. So I think he'll probably have a starter ready to go by the start of this week. But I think last week, how they practiced, how JT looked, I think that certainly probably factored into that decision. And we'll all find out come Saturday. All right, our next question comes from H six two nine. Is that a Z? That's a Z. Or, okay. That's a Z. What are the differences in preparing for Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson? Yeah, that's a great question because I do think there's a possibility that we could see both quarterbacks this week. I lean towards Anthony Richardson being the guy this week, but I certainly would not rule out seeing Emory Jones at some point in this game, especially if Anthony Richardson falters early on, if he does indeed get the start. But they're similar in one respect. They're similar in that they are both mobile quarterbacks, and they're similar in that they can both be used as essentially the lead part of the Florida run game. Because that's what they are. Both quarterbacks, whether it's Emory Jones or Anthony Richardson in the game, they are the centerpiece of the Florida running game. Now, they go about it a little bit differently. I think Emory Jones might be a little bit more explosive, maybe. I, although I don't, I certainly don't think there's much of a gap there, if there is at all. Anthony Richardson's bigger, and he's more of a physical runner. So it's just a little bit of a different style runner. I do think Emory Jones is maybe a little bit more elusive in the open field, but if you're talking about a guy that's, you know, it's third and two, you got a quarterback back there that you want to run quarterback power with to pick up that first down, that is Anthony Richardson. Neither guy is particularly accurate throwing the football down the field. We've obviously seen a lot more of Emory Jones throwing the football. Anthony Richardson has only thrown the ball a handful of times, at least only a handful of times coming into the LSU game, so we don't have as much of a sample size there. But in his limited attempts, Anthony Richardson has shown the ability to push the ball down the field more consistently than Emory Jones has. He is averaging 10.6 yards per attempt, whereas Emory Jones is only averaging 7.5 yards per attempt. So three full yards more per pass attempt for Anthony Richardson. He's just had more success hitting those vertical shots, hitting those explosive plays in the passing game down the field. So I do think if, if if Richardson's in the game, you do have to be more prepared for and more aware of that deep vertical shot. You also have to just be loaded up and ready to take on a guy that's going to try to run through you. That's what Anthony Richardson's going to try to do. Emory Jones, you know, he's he's a tough runner, just not the level of Anthony Richardson. He's certainly not as big and physical, maybe a little bit more elusive in open space, but the plan, obviously, is to not allow him to even get into open space to have opportunities to show off that elusiveness. All right, Darren asks, what are your early thoughts on the defensive game plan versus Florida? Do we go mush rush to prevent over pursuit or all out aggressive? Well, we haven't really been all out aggressive all year, have we? I mean, like we've been no. very good at creating havoc, but we don't really blitz a lot. But there is a difference between what we do normally from a game plan perspective and the mush rush, which we use utilize a Did fair I say amount. Mush? You said mush, 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 is, uh, mush is what we're going for here, Charlie. That's late. okay. I wasn't gonna say anything. I wasn't gonna say mush, anything. Mush, mush. I mean, some. I mean, people might think. I mean, if, yeah. if they didn't know better, they might have thought you recorded two episodes in one day. Oh, gosh. Oh, that's right. That's me. That's yeah. me. We all Just know. Kidding. We Just all kidding. know. <laughs> all good. Um, all right. This is a great question, and it's also a tricky question. And I don't know if there is a definitive answer here because these guys do have the ability, if you're going all out aggressive and you're really coming hard after the quarterback, you're trying to create havoc, you're trying to get penetration, if you create those natural rush lanes for the quarterback to escape through, they have the ability to skate through those rush lanes and devastate you with their legs. They absolutely have that ability. It's There's nothing more devastating for a defense when it's third and long, third and nine, third, 10, third, 11, whatever, and you've got everybody covered, but you are undisciplined in your pass rush and you get up field and create those rush lanes for the quarterback to escape through. And then he picks up 12 yards when it's third and 11 and converts the first down. And now they, your defense has got to stay on the field when you've got everyone covered. There's nothing more demoralizing for a defense. And with both these quarterbacks, that's always a threat. So if we are rushing the quarterback, we've got to be disciplined in maintaining our pass rush lanes, okay? We can't just fly up the field. And we saw this against Auburn. We did go with far more of a mush rush 
against Auburn with Bo Nix and his escapability in the pocket and his just backyard Bo Nix ability than we have really at any point this season. That's why I told you guys after that game on the recap episode, like, yeah, I know that they had some success throwing the football a little bit in that game, but don't be too alarmed by that because we didn't really defend them the way that we, we defend most teams on our schedule, the way that we defend anyone else, because we were just trying to contain Bo Nix in the pocket. Now, neither one of these guys, Anthony Richardson or Emory Jones, as athletic as they are, as mobile as they are, they aren't the threats from the pocket in terms of like their escapability, the way that Bo Nix is. Like That's what makes Bo Nix different. That's, that's a skill that he has that they don't quite showcase right now. I'm not saying they can't escape the pocket. Absolutely, they can but not the way Bo Nix does. I think there has to be a happy medium here. I don't want to go all out mush rush because I do think the Florida offensive line is very vulnerable. I do think we can have some success rushing the passer against this Florida offensive line, really both tackles, left tackle or right tackle. I think we have opportunities to affect the quarterback, especially if it's Anthony Richardson, a guy who will be making his first career start against the number one defense in the country. I think it would be a mistake to just sit back there and let him be comfortable in the pocket. I would not advocate for that game plan. I could see it in certain situations, Let's say it's third and 14, 15, when it's that type of third and long, potentially. You just don't want to even give him a chance. But I would not let him sit back there and feel comfortable in the pocket. I would try to heat him up as much as I could. But again, you just got to be disciplined in how you do it. And there's also things that you can do behind that. You can allow your front four, whoever it is that's rushing, because you know obviously we use a lot of simulated pressure. It's not always the front four who are coming. We bring linebackers, we bring cornerbacks, we bring safeties. We'll bring different guys. But you can also give someone responsibility for mirroring the quarterback. I know a lot of people call it spying the quarterback. In our defense, and our verbiage, we call it mirror. When, we, when we're running mirror, that's what a lot of people would, would call spying the quarterback. And we have a lot of guys that can do that because we have so much team speed on defense. It could be Adam Anderson. It could be Nicobe Dean. It could be Quay Walker. It could be Channing Tindall. It could be Lewis Seen. It could be Chris Smith. It could be Latavius Brini. There's a number of different options that we could use to mirror or spy whoever is back there at quarterback and allow our pass rushers an opportunity to to actually, I don't want to say completely pin their ears back, but rush the passer. You don't want to say with reckless abandon. You really don't do that necessarily against anybody, but to rush the passer without just kind of sitting there, mush rush, trying to contain the quarterback in the pockets. I just think that would be a mistake, especially with Anthony Richardson, which I think it will be right now, to let him sit back there and get comfortable and start to get into a rhythm and start to just get into a flow out there and feel like he has a chance to go out there and make plays against this defense. I don't think you want that to happen. But I will admit, it it certainly is a delicate balancing act when you have a quarterback that's mobile like that. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, Trey wants to know will the Clown King, also known as Dan Mullen, reinvent college offenses as we know it during his bye week. Uh, Trey says he's heard from many experts that he's an offensive genius and the ultimate in-game tactician. First off, Trey, let me just say, I love you, man. What a great question. I love the tongue-in-cheek nature of this. This is awesome, man. The dry humor, beautiful. Charlie, um, you kind of scolded me earlier in the year for calling Dan Mullen a clown. Do you remember said scolding? I mean, I don't think it's really nice but what did you tell me 
was it last week you texted me and you're like Dan Mul- I, I, I actually said I hate Dan no I think I you know. said I think you said I hate Dan Mullen. Yeah, I don't have any problem hating someone, but I don't know that we should call people clowns. But if he is a clown, isn't it okay to call him a clown? Okay, got it. Like if you... All right, answer the guy's question. Nobody wants to listen to us to debate. Well, I think they do. I don't think... I mean, how, how clownish is Dan Mullen is a great question for the Georgia fan base right now. I guess the question would be, Saturday's Halloween, mm-hmm. so what will he wear to his press conference? I, Last I year was Darth Vader. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Who's that? Do you even know who that is? No, no. you don't. Obi-Wan Kenobi. So that's another Star Wars reference. Oh, okay. I'll yes. look that up later. You've never, you've never seen Star Wars, have you? I've seen one of the more recent ones, but I definitely didn't see like the mm-hmm. first one. I don't even I don't even know what to do with that, but okay. Fair enough. But as to Trey's actual question, look, you guys know I do think Dan Mullen's a clown. I've made that very clear, and I simply cannot stomach another loss to this man. I can't do it. I don't have it in me, but I'm going to do something that's very painful for me because I have to be objective here. I'm going to give the man a little credit. He is a very, very good offensive coach. He is. He's done a really good job throughout his career, wherever he's been, whether it's Utah, whether it's Florida, whether it's Mississippi State, now back at Florida again. He's done a really good job scheming up offenses. He is very, very good. Now, being a CEO and actually running a college football program, an organization, recruiting, doing that kind of thing, and, and just generally not being a creepy, loathsome human being, yeah, he, he's not very good at those things, but got to give him credit. He's a very good offensive coach. He does a great job scheming that up. That's that's how he's gotten to this point in his career. And I would be lying to you, Trey. I love the question again. I love the tongue-in-cheek nature of this question. But I would be lying if I said that there wasn't some level of concern somewhere in my brain about Dan Mullen having an extra bye week here to prepare for our defense. I fully expect him coming out, throwing the kitchen sink at us even throwing some different looks and formations at us that we have not seen this point. And I also throw in too as well, like we've seen Anthony Richardson this year, not a ton, we've seen far more of Emory Jones. So Anthony Richardson himself, if he is indeed the guy that Dan Mullen goes with, and I don't know that for sure, but that's who I'm projecting right now based off how the LSU game went and how the game finished. If it is Anthony Richardson, we just haven't seen a ton of him. How is the offense going to look a little bit different with Anthony Richardson as quarterback? Yes, there's some similarities there, as we discussed earlier, but there's also some important differences as well. And one thing Dan Mullen does well as an offensive coach is he adapts his offense to fit his personnel. So you imagine there's going to be some different looks, some different tweaks in this Florida offense if Anthony Richardson is the guy. And I ultimately think that Anthony Richardson, again, will be that guy. So I would, I would be lying if I said that there was at least like some level of concern there. But now, is it going to be enough? No, I do not think so. Is he going to reinvent college offense as we know it? No, like there's only so much you can do to tweak things in one bye week. But you can tweak things. You can't like completely change your entire offense. Like That's a little aggressive. That's too much. That can't happen in one bye week. But you can certainly tweak things, uh, come with different formations, different looks, different, you know, you can break some tendencies, those kinds of things that maybe you hadn't been doing earlier in the year, which it's just tough to prepare for if you haven't seen it. Navy Dog says, I would not call Florida good, but they do put up a lot of points. Do you have any concerns about being able to win a shootout if it comes to it? Well, as you longtime listeners well know, I always have concerns with every game. It just doesn't matter. I don't, there's always going to be some level of concern for me. No doubt about it. That's just kind of how I operate. But right now, guys, Florida's defense is not good. And there's a lot of tension from what I'm hearing behind the scenes between like the offense, the defense, uh, in the locker room right now. It's just not a good vibe around that team based off what I've read during the bye week from some Florida insiders. Now, I'll take that with a grain of salt. Who knows if that's actually true, but it kind of makes sense if you kind of see how things are going down. There's also word leaking out of Gainesville that Todd Grantham is basically dead man walking. They don't play out the year, but it's just a matter of time until he's gone. So I think the co- the players, they know these things, guys. Like They can be intuitive. They can figure these things out. So I do think there's uh, just a bad vibe there, and they're just not good. That, that, let's just be real. They're not good on defense. LSU, who has trouble scoring against anybody, put up 49 points on that floor defense. LSU ran all over them, and LSU simply has not been running the football all year against anyone else. I told you guys all year long, we're talking about Florida, even the Alabama game where it was the, the two-point loss, which apparently, according to Florida fans, was actually a win for them. 
There are holes in that Florida defense, specifically between the tackles, right? Kyrie Elam is a really good cornerback. Outside of that, there are problems for them in the secondary. They're just not good. They don't have the personnel. Now, is Grantham a good defense coordinator? No, he's not. He's predictable. Uh, at this point, what he does is just kind of antiquated and, and teams have figured that out. But they're also just not that good. Zachary Carter is a really good player. That's an NFL player. Outside of that, I mean, I would say Kyrie Elam, Zach Carter. Those two guys are NFL players. Outside of those two, I don't know if anyone else on that on that defense plays in the NFL. I just, I don't see it. I know people are going to say Brenton Cox and maybe, maybe Brenton Cox. But Cox, right now, Brenton Cox is not a high-level draft pick. Maybe he catches on late in the draft. That's fine. Is he ever going to be a, 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 a impact player in the NFL? I certainly have not seen any evidence to suggest that's going to be the case to this point in his career. And then on the flip side of that, while I do think that Florida could have a chance to put up some points, unless they are good offensively, and they're going to challenge us in a little bit of a different way than we've been challenged at this point, especially if it's Anthony Richardson, again, a guy that being his first career start, and we just haven't seen as much, it's hard to prepare for those kind of guys. Yeah, it's hard for them to kind of come into that setting in their first start against our defense, but it's also tough for us to prepare for a guy that just has a very small sample size out there, has never really started a football game, at least at this level. So that that's a tough prep. And they could put up some points, but enough points to call it a shootout to get to that level. I just, I just don't see that. They are good offensively. I do think Dan Mullen's good offensively, but I right now I just I'm having a tough time seeing, especially again if it's Anthony Richardson in his first start against our defense. But let's say if it dig into a shootout. Can we win that if we're healthy, which I think we're going to be much closer to being healthy, especially at the receiver position coming to this game? I think the answer could be yes. The Florida defense is just that bad. They're just not good, guys. They're really not good. All right. Our good friend Cliff, excuse me, can't speak today. I feel like you say that once an episode, Charlie. It happens a lot. It's okay. We record this I, late. I stutter and trip over words all the you time. You know, the end good. of the it day happens. is not my time. I'm a morning person, so when you're asking me to like be knowledgeable and speak clearly at the end of the day, it's rough. You're actually surprisingly upbeat for it being as late as it is. You normally, I, I think you should be in bed right now pretty much. I think, I see you keep looking at your watch, <laughs> so I think it's getting close to that point. You're going to have to get out of here pretty quick. I was up early. Home, but, I was up early. All right, yeah. Cliff wants to know, how much will this UGA team change the narrative back to defense wins championships if they pull it off this year? I think that's a really interesting question. Thanks for the question, Cliff. We always appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting one because we spent the past couple years just over and over again lamenting how we just don't have the offensive firepower to actually win a national championship and how college football has just changed over the years. It's evolved to where you have to be lead on offense and good enough on defense. And I still think that's a formula that can win you a national title. We've seen that time and time again where teams are really good on offense and pretty good to, to very good on defense, but maybe not elite on defense, and they still win national championships. What we haven't seen in a long time, though, is a team that's truly led by its defense that has won a national title where, with an offense that's good, but not elite. Kind of the, the inverse here, where you have this elite defense, a good to potentially very good offense, but not an elite offense. We haven't seen that kind of team win a national title in a while. And obviously, we're all hoping that changed this year because as good as our offense can be at times, I don't know if it'll ever be an elite offense this season. I think it can be a good to very good offense. And with our defense, I'm hopeful and I think it can be enough because we are just that good defensively right now. But I don't know if I would say it's enough for a trend at this point, though, Cliff. I would say in this isolated year, I think this could be episode two where the defense strikes back because if you look around the country, where are those like truly lead offenses to the level of Alabama last year, to the level of LSU in 2019, to the level of some of those Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson Clemson offenses? Where are those offenses right now in college football? You could say Alabama, and yes, Alabama is very good offensively. I just don't think Alabama is what they were last year on offense. I don't think they have those kind of playmakers. I think John Mechie and Jamison Williams are really good receivers. I don't think that tandem is anywhere close to the tandem of... Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. It's just not. Or Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy. I don't think it's anywhere near that. They're really good. They aren't those guys. Bryce Young's really good. He's not Tua yet. He's not Mac Jones, at least what they were in college. He's not there yet. Brian Robinson has been really good for Alabama this year, but he's not Najee Harris. He's just not that kind of guy. So yeah, they're good, but they're not that level elite. They're elite like based off this year. It's all relative to this year. Based on past years and past offenses that have won national titles in recent years, they're not that. I guess you could say Oklahoma now with Caleb Williams. Well, hey, that Kansas game just happened, guys. 
Are they really elite or is it just kind of like a one game thing there against TCU and the end of that Texas game? Are teams going to, once they get more tape on Caleb Williams, are they going to be able to catch up with him a little bit more? I think that's going to happen at some point here. I think Ohio State might be the closest one to be one of those elite offenses, but you still have a first year starting quarterback. Now he's getting better and better with each week and each game. So that might be the one that's closest, but I just don't think you have those kind of offenses. I think that's why it's making it possible for a defense like ours this year to jump back up and say, hey guys, defense is striking back. But I don't know if that's going to be a trend because once some of those offenses catch back up, it might be like episode three where it's Return of the Jedi, where the offense comes back. I think you might see that. But again, I think if you, you can win a national title, if you have a defense that's as elite as ours and an offense that is good to very good. The, the difference here for this year, guys, is our offense is more capable of putting up points and being explosive than we have been in the past couple of years in the Kirby Smart era. And our defense is obviously at another level. We've had a really good defense under Kirby. This is a different level defense. These are different guys. But for this year, Cliff, and, and maybe in the future as well, we'll see. But at least for this year, I certainly do think that possibility exists. And I hope it exists because obviously that's what we're going to need. All right. Alex wants to know, is our defensive line so good that it makes the refs resist calling holding against the opposing offensive line it seems like our guys have been getting held a lot he's not seeing things right charlie correct this is a problem correct this it's out of control it's out of control i mean Jalen carter gets held every single time he gets you line of scrimmage i swear to god every single time i'm not even exaggerating i swear to god every single time the man breaks your line of scrimmage he's getting held and he still makes the plays regardless but it's just getting out of control SEC officiating really college officiating in general I obviously had a chance this weekend with the bye week to sit down and just watch a ton of college football and it's it's every it's every game officials are so bad they're so bad the SEC officials are are the worst but every officiating crew I see they're all they're all just so bad I just officiating I know it's a tough job I understand that but I've said it many times I'll say it again the only two professions that you can be so bad at and are being wrong so consistently in this world and still keep your job is being a meteorologist and being an official, a college football official. Are there more team? Are there any other teams that consistently get bad calls more than us? Well, see, usually the good teams get the benefit of the calls. Like Alabama, heck, they beat us. They won a national championship against us because of terrible calls. Tyler Sims was well, on the side. I'm saying, are there other teams that get more bad calls than us? I don't know. Like I mean, go against I'm sure if you ask their fan base, like Tennessee, swear, like right, Bo Nix and all like, every, every fan base thinks they don't get calls, but. Right, but I want, sorry for talking over you. I want to get some actual numbers on it. I don't, yeah, I don't know if we can, I'll, I'll see if we can dig into that and find some numbers. I don't know, um, but. I don't, yeah, I'll, I don't, I'll gladly let you look that I don't up. know if you we can find numbers that. on that. I just don't, like, I don't, it's just like people's opinions, man. Well, I mean, you could look up how many calls are. How many penalties they get. Right. Oh, okay, okay. But that isn't... I guess what I'm talking about is like missed calls. Like calls that just don't get called. Like holding is just it's not called. Right. It's somewhat subjective, but you could also look at the number of penalties called on teams. Fair enough. But yeah, I think uh, Alex is exactly right here. Our guys are getting held on almost every single play up front. It's crazy. Whether it's Jordan Davis, whether it's Jalen Carter, whether it's Devontae Wyatt, whether it's Nolan Smith, Adam Anderson, whoever it might be, we're getting held... I, this is not me exaggerating. Literally almost every single play. Just go back and watch tape. It's crazy. It's insane. But it really, I, I love where you're coming from here, Alex. It might be like, I'm going to use like the Shaquille O'Neal analogy. Remember how hard it was to officiate Shaquille O'Neal where he was getting hacked like every single time he touched the ball? But since he was just so much bigger and stronger, more powerful than everyone else around him, the referees just had a really hard time officiating him and they just wouldn't call the fouls. Like the same actions that were happening to other people that were clear fouls, they weren't calling them fouls against Shaq because he was just that dominant and that big and that physical. I think something similar might be happening right now. Like we're just that good up front that official is just like, yeah, you know, that, that's the only chance they have. So we're just not going to call it. It has to be like an egregious play where they're essentially getting tackled for us to call it. That's the only explanation I can come up with right now because it's happening consistently game in and game out from series to series. And our, I hope to God, and I'm sure they have, our coaching staff has just sent clip after clip after clip to the SEC office saying, what's going on here? So hopefully it starts to change, but man, I, I'm not holding my breath because it's been the entire season at this point, it's been that way. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.
You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right. Our next listener, Eric, says he's so tired of the disrespect towards Georgia's strength of schedule. He says mostly fans being fans. He may be getting ahead of himself here, but what happens if Georgia hypothetically wins the national championship? Does our championship get discredited due to the drop-off from the other powerhouses in the nation? He can't help but feel if we do win, everyone will say Georgia only won due to everyone else's downfall. What are your thoughts? Eric, I'm sure that's what they'll do. I have no doubt about that because our rivals are never going to want to give us any credit no matter what. It's just the world of college football. That's one of the things that does make college football beautiful. It, it, it is the reality. Like Everyone likes to be in denial at all times and not admit that their rivals are actually good. The only reason their rivals actually win is because they cheated or did something. like like We had this great recruiting run last week, right? What did every rival fan base say? Of course, it's money, money, money. All these memes are coming out, right? They're shooting the memes out left and right. So we'll never get the credit from them. But Charlie, does that matter? No, I I do think it's a particularly chaotic year of football so far. It is an insanely chaotic year. I just, no one could foreshadow it. Yeah, like I I would just say. But I think it's personally fantastic. Oh, I love it. I, I, it's kind of like I don't know if you remember 2007. Sure, 2007 was chaos personified. No, that I football do not remember that. At well, all. I mean, that was the year that we, you know, we 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 were the best team in the country in the year, but we screwed ourselves early in the year, and then Kentucky screwed us by not being Tennessee, and which meant we couldn't go to the SEC championship game, which meant that we'd have a chance to beat LSU, which meant we'd have a chance to play for the national title, which sucked because we would have won. Haven't forgotten that, have you? No, we would have won. But it's okay. okay. If there was a if there was, if there was a college football playoff in 2007, we would have won it. It will be particularly interesting next Tuesday. When the first official college football yeah. playoff rankings come yeah. out, so that'll be something to look forward to. Yeah, um, just hope we win this weekend. <laughs> yes, knock on wood. Uh, but yeah, Eric, you're right. I mean, yes, they're going to try to discount and discredit everything that we do. That's going to happen. That's the nature of college sports, and you just got to be ready for that. But hey, man, you won't have to hear 1980 more. I'm sure they have something else to come up with. I'm sure they will if it, if it happens. I mean, we're a long way. To, like you said, Eric, you're right. We don't get ahead of ourselves. But if, like, whenever we win a national title, it will happen at some point. Whenever we do, they're going to discredit it. But you know what? Just wear your national title shirt proudly. Keep that head up high. Keep that smile on your face. And just know that we're better than them. That's all you got to do. It's college football, baby. Our next question comes from Paul, who is telling me to not (laughs) bully you into keeping your answer short (laughs) and wants you to talk as much as humanly possible about his question. He says, assuming we get Burton, Arian Smith, Rosemary Jack Saint, all back for the Florida game, plus Darnell and Kiaris closer to 100%, how different do you think our offense will look moving forward? And what changes do you expect? So please, by all means, take the floor. Well, see, Charlie, I told you, our listeners, I, I'm a man of the people. Our, I try to give the listeners what they want, and they clearly want me to give them deep, detailed explanations. That's what I'm doing. I know, I'm but sometimes you. you just keep repeating the same thing. I want to make sure people are getting the point. I'm emphasizing things, Charlie. That's, it's a I, rhetorical yeah. skill. Okay. Okay. It's a strategy. Well, by all means, ready, set, talk. You know what? I don't, I, I don't have an abundance to say about this question, but it's a great question. I do like it. Uh, Paul, I think you're right, man. I think... And Curtis and I were talking about this on the recap episode. Like, our, my biggest concern, I, I mean... TikTok, TikTok. Charlie, how dare you? I'm just kidding. First off, how dare you? Um, I've got questions about the secondary, of course, we all do. We haven't really been challenged with a, through the air by a really dynamic passing offense yet. And I think we can handle it well because I think the pass rush is still going to be there. Our front six is still going to be there. And, and we're going to make teams one-dimensional. And that makes it harder for them to beat us through the air. But maybe my bigger concern not maybe, it is my bigger concern, is the health of our team and staying healthy, getting guys back healthy and also not having any more injuries. We just got to get healthy, man, and we got to stay healthy. But if we could get Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith back, the Sasquatch Arian Smith, the new Sasquatch, taking over Jonathan Rump. Marcus Rosemey Jackson looks like he's back and ready to go. Darnell looks like he's kind of rolling back in now. He should be good to go. Kier's been playing, but he's been 100%. If we get these guys back closer to 100%, I think it does change the dynamic of our offense. And we've been able to put up points offensively. Now, we're not blowing the doors off of teams, you know, putting up 60 points a game, but we're scoring, you know, 30, 40 points a game against good defenses in the SEC. And we've done that with a mass unit out there. We've done it all season. And one thing that also gives me 
a lot of confidence here is Todd Munkin. You guys know I'm really high on Todd Munkin. I think he's a game changer for our football program. And he's really, really just gives us a chance every single week to go out there and, and make plays offensively. Dials it up every single week, no matter who's out there, who's available, who's not. He fits the game plan around the, the players that are available, and he makes it happen. But if you get all those guys back, it just makes us that much more dynamic. It makes us that much more difficult to defend because teams have more guys to have to worry about in the game plan. They have to prepare for more things, more guys. Uh, we can do more things from a schematic standpoint. It makes it tougher for them to like bracket guys. Like Brock Bowers getting a lot of a lot of attention right now. Well, if you throw in Jermaine Burton, you get Marcus Rosemary, Jack Saint back. Harris gets closer to 100%. Arian Smith with his vertical ability. All of a sudden, it makes it much more difficult to do things like that. So absolutely, I think our offense will be a different animal once we get guys healthy. Now, I do think it'll, there might be an adjustment period getting those guys back in because it's not like you just roll them back in and you're hitting all cylinders right from the get-go. There's going to be a rust factor there. Well, these guys have been out for a while. But I do think that once those guys get healthy, once we get them back in and kind of integrate them back into the lineup, you're going to see a Georgia, a different Georgia offense. A more, and we've been explosive, but an even more explosive Georgia offense. And we're not even talking about JT Daniels. That could change the game as well. I mean, who knows if he, when he's healthy, if he'll be the guy. But it, it certainly helps to have him healthy, to have that option and have that competition there in the quarterback room. Is that it? That's it, Charlie. I told you I wouldn't You're go done? too long. I'm done. I'm done. I was pretty concise. You I'm know. impressed. Yeah. All right. Our last question this week comes from Jared. He has a fun bye week question for us. He says, we've seen recruits wearing all sorts of different uniform combinations on recruiting visits this season. Which one would you like to see the most? And do you think we will see any alternate uniforms this season? I just don't understand it. I don't understand why we don't wear alternate uniforms more. I'm not saying every single game. I'm not asking this for us to be like Oregon out Oregon there. Yeah, or I'm not. Maryland. Oh, God, I'm going to start on Maryland. I'm not asking for that. You like Maryland? No, the, the, their flag is hideous, and they incorporate it all over I their I like uniform. the yellow and I the like red. their colors. I like the yellow and red, but the, the, the flag all over their helmet and uniform is just stupid. Well, I mean, I don't if like they it. just took that away. Yeah, if they took good. that away. Like, their old uniforms before they started incorporating that with all the Under Armour stuff was not. I like that. What did you think of the Oregon uniforms? Oh, the, the duck shell? That the splatter an egg eggshell egg the duck shell <laughs> yes the egg, <laughs> the eggshell they're the ducks okay the eggshell uh, I thought it was you know I think it's uh, a look that was polarizing I liked it. I actually like orange uniforms and a lot of people don't I I like them I like their colors I like what they do so with you it. like duck shells I thought it was a cool unique thing I mean I think about how many times they've had to wear these alternate, they've worn alternate uniforms and had to keep coming up with something I thought it was clever I, yeah I know that some people don't I thought it was great. Uh, or not great. It was it was good. It was duck fine. Shells. Yeah, duck shells. Yes, eggshells, duck shells, whatever. They're ducks. Um, I think we should wear alternate uniforms, like at least once at home and once on the road. I think we should wear black jerseys at home at least once, and I think we should wear different colored pants on the road, whether that's red pants or white pants or even black pants. I'm not really super keen on the white tops, black pants look. It's fine. I would prefer white and red. And white, white on white with a red helmet, Charlie. I'm okay with that. Like getting that. I don't like white. Why? I, I mean, one time, white on white, and we saw. I forget who it was. One of the recruits in a recent visit white put that pants, out there. White pants. No, no I mean, one should wear I white prefer, pants. I prefer. I prefer red pants, white jersey, red home like we wore against Arkansas last week or last year to open the season. But I wouldn't be opposed like once, you know, all white with a with a red home. I think that would that would pop. It would look nice. But here's what I'm saying. I here's what I want, Charlie. You know, I love the white jersey, red pants look. We need to pull those out for the game in Knoxville this year, all right? Because remember the, the Herschel Walker? Oh, you Herschel Walker. My God, a freshman, right? Yes. Okay? That was in Knoxville against Tennessee wearing red pants. I want to do that again. That would be perfect. It would be awesome. It would be awesome. So that's what I would call for at least on the road. Will we do it? I don't know, man. We, we, we wore them a couple times last year, but was it the 1980 thing? Like, you know, celebrating that team, the 40th anniversary. Was that it? And we're just never going to see red pants again? I don't know. It's crazy that we have all these recruits that wear these combinations. We clearly have the pants. We clearly have the uniforms. We have the looks. Why don't we don't actually let our team wear it? It's beyond me. Kirby is like too superstitious with this stuff. I understand superstition is college football. I get it. But it's letting recruits wear them on recruiting visits is one thing. What really helps is if you actually wear them and wear them in high-profile games. What I'm concerned, Charlie, is that we're going to wear them as Charleston Southern when nobody's watching. Well, you know what we don't have? What do we not have? That we should have. What should we have? Black pants. Yep. Black jersey. We do have black pants. Okay. I'm, I'm okay, giving black, you the outfit. Okay, let's do it. Black jersey, black pants. I guess a uniform. And a black matte helmet. Oh, God, Charlie. You're getting me all sorts of excited here. That's incredible. That would be the most incredible look we could have. Yeah. A matte black helmet. That's Yes. See, I like the black jerseys. I don't like it with the red helmet. 
Um, I don't like like three colors. Mo- like, it's called monochromatic. Yeah, I like the monochromatic look. I don't like it when you wear like one color pants, one color jersey, and a different color helmet. Like we have three different like colors. Like we do on your every layers. weekend away. I guess red pants. Gray yeah, pants. Yeah, but the gray is close white enough to the white. Yes, jersey, fair, fair, fair. Red okay. helmet. Fair, p- fair a point. Lot going on. Fair point. But the gray pants are close enough to the white. I don't like like. No, they're not. They're close enough. No. I don't like the the black jersey, gray pants, red helmet. I just think the black. I think anytime we wear black jerseys, we should have black helmets. That's me personally. And I, I'm with you. I think let's go black pants. Let's go. Let's go all black. A true blackout. I would love that. We've seen a recruit wear that. No, will we actually do it? I have no confidence whatsoever that Kirby Smart would do that. I don't know why. It's crazy. I'm sure we'll do something fancy for Charleston Southern when nobody in America is watching, when no recruits are watching. It would make a lot more sense to do it in a high-profile game when a lot of eyes are on it so all the recruits can see it. That's just, and to me, I don't know, man. I'm not a smart man, but that just makes a lot more sense. But um, that, that's what I like. I like your, your all black, Charlie. I want white jerseys, red pants once a year, every single year. I want that in Knoxville this year. Was it going to happen? I have, I have like... Maybe 3% confidence it'll happen. 3%. That was our last question for today. But your uniform for the week, have you been sticking to your tradition of only wearing Georgia colors during Georgia-Florida week? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Charlie, I only wear Georgia colors pretty much as a rule. To work, sometimes I'll wear different colors, yes. Right, so even to work. Well, not just Georgia colors during Georgia-Florida week. It's Georgia gear. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So, and where do you get that Georgia gear? Well, I get that from Alumni Hall, Charlie. You oh, know that. that's good. Did you get any new gear for this week? You know, actually, I got a, a really cool new thin hoodie. I'm really into the new thin hoodies. They're like, they're basically like... Well, there is such a thing as global warming and it doesn't yeah. really get cold. It doesn't cold. get cold here that much. So I got this nice new one. Um, it's it's black and they haven't really made them. These thin hoodies have been making them for a couple years. Nike hasn't made a black one yet. They made this black one and it's got like... A black Georgia logo, but it's kind of like outlined and like faintly outlined in oh, red. Oh yeah, I wanted to get that one yeah. because you know they nice. don't make a lot of women's clothes yeah. for in Georgia so attire. You gotta, so you gotta be a dude. So yeah, I just buy the Nike men's stuff. Yeah, I don't blame you. The, the stuff. And guys, got. your ladies will like it too. You just gotta make sure you get the right size. Absolutely, it's quite comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I mean, I wore actually out to uh, the the Georgia women's tennis match on Saturday, and it wasn't a match to the uh, event, the tournament. It was an invitational, an invitational tournament, and um, it was perfect. The weather was nice. I felt great. Looked awesome. You know, you might need it next week because it's going to be a little chilly in Gainesville. Not Gainesville. Well, I'm not going to Gainesville, Charlie. I know. I wish we were going. Yeah, to I mean, I, I got that. I got Jacksonville is just yeah. Meh. Jacksonville downtown Jacksonville is a cesspool of nothingness. Is terrible. Okay. What's well, worse, downtown is... Jacksonville or Auburn? Jacksonville. Downtown Jacksonville is worse. Yeah. At least there's at least there's something within walking distance in Auburn. Yeah. Right. At least, at least it's a college early. town. You at least it's a college town. Early. I like the college town gives you something. Yeah. Like yeah, it's. There's not much in Auburn, but there's literally more than there is in downtown Jacksonville. Other parts of Jacksonville are really nice. San Marco, you go to Five Points, nice. But within walking distance downtown, zilch, zip, zero, nothing, nada. But you can go to GTE Presents and you can get your tailgate package reserved today. All you can eat buffet, all you can drink, great stuff, TVs, whole nine yards. That's the way to do it, guys. That's how you do it. Get your stuff from Alumni Hall, get your GTE Presents tailgate, and you're set for your Georgia, Florida weekend. But Charlie, is that it? That's it for me. All right, guys. That does it for us here today on the Glory UGA podcast. You guys know we appreciate each and every one of you for taking time to support us here all throughout the college football season. This is a big one this week. We know that. You guys know it. I know it. Charlie knows it. We all know it. And I will have you guys covered with our full cocktail party game preview later on this week. And then Charlie and I will be back for our picks of the week at the end of the week. And this week, we had, we, had, we had a good week. We had a good week on our picks. We bounced back. It wasn't great last week. It was good this week. So it'll be nice to actually talk about some of the games we got right this week as we move into another week of college football. But thanks for listening, guys. For Charlie, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.